0: Our scripture reading this morning is from Mark chapter 15, verses 1 through 41. And as soon as it was morning, the chief priests held a consultation with the elders and scribes and the whole council. And they bound Jesus and led him away and delivered him over to Pilate. And Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? And he answered him, You have said so. And the chief priests accused him of many things. And Pilate again asked him, Have you no answer to make? See how many charges they bring against you. But Jesus made no further answer, so that Pilate was amazed. Now at the feast, he used to release for them one prisoner for whom they asked. And among the rebels in prison who had committed murder in the insurrection, there was a man called Barabbas. And the crowd came up and began to ask Pilate to do as he usually did for them. And he answered them saying, do you want me to release for you the king of the jews for he perceived that it was out of envy that the chief priest had delivered him up but the chief priest stirred up the crowd to have him release for them barabbas instead and pilate again said to them then what shall i do with the man you call the king of the jews and they cried out again crucify him and pilate said to them why what evil has he done and they shouted all the more crucify him so pilate wishing to satisfy the crowd Released for them Barabbas, and having scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. And the soldiers led him away inside the palace, that is the governor's headquarters, and they called together the whole battalion, and they clothed him in a purple cloak, and twisted together a crown of thorns. They put it on him, and they began to salute him, Hail King of the Jews! And they were striking his head with a reed, and spitting on him, and kneeling down in homage to him. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the purple cloak and put his own clothes on him. And they led him out to crucify him. And they compelled a passerby, Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to carry his cross. And they brought him to a place called Golgotha, which means place of a skull. And they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. And they crucified him and divided his garments among them, casting lots for them to decide what each should take. And it was the third hour when they crucified him, and the inscription of the charge against him read, The King of the Jews.
1: And with him they crucified two robbers, one on his right and one on his left. And those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, Aha! You who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself and come down from the cross. So also the chief priests with the scribes mocked him to one another saying, he saved others. He cannot save himself. Let the Christ, the King of Israel come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. Those who are crucified with him also reviled him. And when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, "Eloi, Eloi, lema sabachthani," which means, "My God, my God, why have you forsaken me?" And some of the bystanders hearing it said, "Behold, he is calling Elijah." And someone ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on a reed, and gave it to him to drink, saying, "Wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to take him down." And Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last and the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood facing him saw that in this way he breathed his last, he said, truly, this man was the son of God. There were also women looking on from a distance, among whom were Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James the younger and of Joseph and of Salome. When he was in Galilee, they followed him and ministered to him. And there were also many other women who came up with him to Jerusalem.
2: We thank you today for the celebration spirit in our heart because of the finished work of Jesus. Thank you for the opportunity today, Lord, to to look at the reality of what our salvation, what our freedom, truly cost. God, may the focus of our life today be to exalt you and lift you up and praise you as we've done in these songs and now as we turn to open your word. And I pray that we'll continue just to celebrate you in every word that you speak to our heart today. In Jesus' name now, we continue to worship. Amen. Feel free to take a seat and I encourage you to open your Bible with me uh, to Mark chapter 15. Uh, Today is a a great day of celebration. And uh, for some who may be here today who haven't been tracking with us this year, we're we're coming to the last two weeks in our verse-by-verse study of the of the book of Mark. And we're at the climax today, the, the culmination part. Uh, of celebrating the, the greatest day in history. And there are two parts to this story. We'll look at part one today and then wrap it up with part two next week. How many of you, show your hands, how many of you have ever been to Disney World? Let me see your hand. If you, oh, wow, okay, put your hands down. Wow, just about everybody uh, has been to Disney World. Do you know what Walt Disney's mission statement is? very simple, very direct, to make people happy. That's his mission statement. And I think he did a pretty good job of fulfilling that mission statement. Mahatma Gandhi, on the other hand, stated his mission like this, and I quote, I shall not fear anyone on earth. I shall fear only God. I shall not bear ill will toward anyone. I shall not submit to injustice from anyone. I shall conquer untruth with truth. And in resisting untruth, I shall put up with all suffering. What a mission statement. Here's another interesting mission statement someone had. To help as many people as possible, as much as possible, for as long as possible. Uh, Later today, we'll be celebrating around the, the mission statement of Palmetto Shores Church. Our mission statement is uh, to make disciples who make disciples. Uh, everyone in life has uh, a mission, a life mission. Even, even if you can't state your life mission, you have one. Um, I know that too many people just kind of drift through life being bounced around by one circumstance after another. And if that's you, well, your non-mission is actually your mission. There are two basic missions that people have in life, and we're going to look at those two basic missions today, and we're going to contrast those two basic missions that people have based on the foundation of the greatest event that ever happened in history. So there are two basic mission, uh, general missions in life. One is the world's mission. The missional direction of the world is like drawing a circle around yourself and living like life depends on you. Life is all about you. It's all about you meeting your needs. It's about you defending your rights. It's getting what you can when you want it, no matter what it costs to get it. It's all about you. I I recently read this week um, an article stating 15 characteristics of self-absorbed people. Let me just give you a few. Self-focused people are always on the defensive They don't see the big picture. They are imposing. They always think that they are superior to others. They consider friendship as a tool for getting what they want. They hide behind who they really are. They're extremely selfish, and on and on I could go. That's the world's mission. Draw a circle around yourself and live like life is all about you. But fortunately, there is a different mission. The other mission is God's mission. God's mission is God-focused rather than self-focused. So today we're going to look and contrast those two missional directions in life. So let's just dig in and look at them. You have your Bible open to... Mark chapter 15, in verses 1 through 20, we see the statement about the world's mission. And there are three representative groups in our text today that define the world's mission. First of all, religious leaders wanted Jesus dead, and they represent a missional direction in life. Look at their mission in verse 1. As soon as it was morning, the chief priests held a consultation with the elders and scribes and the whole council. They bound Jesus and led him away and delivered him over to Pilate. Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered him, You have said so. And the chief priest accused him of many things. And Pilate again asked him, have you no answer to make? See how many charges they bring against you? But Jesus made no further answer, so Pilate was amazed. So regardless of the innocence of Jesus, these religious people wanted Jesus dead. Why did they want him dead? Well, first of all, think about the fact that from the beginning of creation, before creation, before there was anything that we know as the world or the, 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 the people in the world, before anything was, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit crafted this plan. Jesus was a part of this plan. Prophecies also, for example... A couple of years ago, David Nies preached us through Psalm chapter 22. And in Psalm chapter 22 and verse 16, the Bible says, For dogs encompass me. Now, the reference to dogs in Hebrew history is referring to anyone who's not from a Jewish background. Anyone who is um, a Gentile. For dogs encompass me. The company of evildoers encircles me. And they have pierced my hands and my feet. Psalm 22, 16. So Jesus stands before Pilate, the representative of the dogs, the the representative of the, the, the Gentile world. Jesus was ushered to Pilate because the Jewish Sanhedrin had no power or authority to put anybody to death. And so they brought him to the Gentile ruler, Pilate, Pontius Pilate. And here Jesus stands falsely accused and yet he makes no defense for himself are you aware today that in our generation religious leaders today are still messed up in what life is all about messed up in stating Truths to live by about Jesus. Too many religious values today still defy the Word of God. Who would ever have dreamed that a generation of human beings would care more about saving trees than saving unborn children? I mean, who would have ever dreamed that man would put more emphasis on what man says than on what the Word of God says. Priority of man's way of life over God's way of life. So here Jesus stands before Pontius Pilate, and Pontius Pilate asks him to make a defense for all of these false charges that are coming against them. And Jesus makes no response whatsoever. And today, many self-serving religious decisions clash with God's mission. The religious leaders wanted Jesus dead. Secondly, we see in verses 6 through 15 that the crowd wanted Jesus crucified. Verse 6, now at the feast he used to release for them one prisoner for whom they asked. And among the rebels in prison who had committed murder in their insurrection... There was a man called Barabbas. And the crowd came up and began to ask Pilate to do as he usually did for them. And he answered them, saying, Do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? Talking about Jesus. For he perceived that it was out of envy that the chief priests had delivered him up. But the chief priests stirred up the crowd to have him release for them Barabbas instead. And Pilate again said to them, Then what shall I do with the man you call the king of the Jews? And that's the question that every person in human history will have to answer one day. What are you going to do with Jesus? And they cried out again, Crucify him. And Pilate said to them, Why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, Crucify him. So why was Jesus crucified? You may know that Pilate, Pontius Pilate, was a horrible Roman ruler. Um, He was assigned to rule over Judea and Samaria. And they left him there, ruling in this area, which was considered to be just a lesser assignment under Roman rule, they left him there for 11 years to rule. And this was not a credit at all, no compliment at all to Pontius Pilate. He had this weird practice that we just read about uh, in order to pacify the Jewish community. Every Passover he would release a prisoner. And on this Passover, this Passover, He lifted up Jesus to release to the people. And in response, the people cried out, give us Barabbas, release Barabbas. Barabbas is an interesting name. Two words make up the name Barabbas, Bar Abba. You know what Abba is. Abba is father, and Bar means son of. And the name Barabbas literally means son of the father. Very interesting they asked for the release of this insurrectionist who actually had committed crimes against the Roman government. He had actually put Roman soldiers to death. And he led an insurrection against the Roman government. And contrasting to Jesus, who had done nothing to deserve being killed. The Son of the Father was requested for the true and living and real son of the father quite a contrast that the gospel writers lift up for us to focus on today but the question is real the crowd wanted Jesus crucified and you say well Ronnie that's not me I'm not part of that crowd And my question to us is, what are we doing with Jesus? We have the privilege and responsibility of knowing him and honoring him for what he sacrificed for us. And so the question looms, what are we doing with Jesus? Pilate wanted to release Jesus because he found no fault in him. Again, fulfillment of prophecy in Isaiah chapter 53, beginning with verse 3, the Bible says, He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted, but He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon Him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with His wounds we are healed. Verse 6, All we like sheep have gone astray, and turned everyone to his own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all he was oppressed he was afflicted and yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before its shears is silent so he opened not his mouth so Jesus Perfectly fulfilled what he had predicted in Scripture would happen. And as improbable as the mission of the crowd was, there was no reason whatsoever, nothing to convict Jesus for, no probable reason whatsoever. But the the mission of the crowd, as improbable as it was, was to crucify Jesus. But the mission of Jesus was unstoppable. So the crowd wanted Jesus crucified. Why? Because it was self-serving for them. There was some kind of sick pleasure in them seeing Jesus crucified. Verse 15, so Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd, you see that? Be very cautious, very cautious about how you jump on board with any crowd. Today, the crowd led Pilate straight to hell. We need to be cautious about jumping on board with with crowds. The crowd said, "Release for for them." Barabbas having okay. So in verse 15, so Pilate wishing to satisfy the crowd, released for them Barabbas. And having scourged Jesus, he delivered him over to be crucified. So Mark just lists this kind of like a matter of fact. But do you understand what was involved in the scourging of Jesus? Jesus was tied to a post. His back was stripped bare. And this Roman soldier... Took a leather whip with bone and metal weaved into the strap. And every lash that that soldier laid upon Jesus literally ripped skin and hide away from his body. Scourging was designed to humiliate the prisoner. Who was then going to be crucified and the mission of the crowd was accomplished here Jesus endured this humiliation and Jesus endured this pain because he loves you so much now it's easy to to read over this passage and read through especially this part of the passage in the next few verses <clears throat> We've read it so many times for most of us. We've heard the message so many times. It's easy not to really enter into the suffering and agony and pain that Jesus endured for you and me. It's critically important for us to realize the intensity of this passage and the demonstration of the intensity of the great love that he has for you. Jesus endured this humiliation and this pain willingly, because He loves you that much. How that makes my heart so grateful. And it was real. It happened. So the religious leaders wanted Jesus dead, and <clears throat> the crowd wanted Him crucified, and so Thirdly, the soldiers wanted him exposed. Now, this is where the story gets a little bit sketchy. In verses 16 through 20, the soldiers led him away inside the palace, that is the governor's headquarters, and they called together the whole battalion, and they clothed him in purple, a purple cloak, twisting together a crown of thorns. They put it on him, and they began to salute him. Hail, King of the Jews! And they were striking his head with a reed and spitting on him and kneeling down in homage to him. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the purple cloak and put his clothes on him and they led him out to crucify him. You know, why did it take 600 soldiers, a battalion, 600 Roman soldiers to torture Jesus when he he put up absolutely no fight? whatsoever. I'm sure you're aware that in our school systems today, bullying is considered to be (laughs) a horrible offense. Uh, It's a very serious offense. It's one of the quickest ways to get expelled from school today. It's not tolerated in our culture today. And yet these soldiers, 600 of them, bullied Jesus, humiliated Him in every possible way. They mocked Him. They tortured Him. They pulled out His beard. They led Him to be crucified. The mission of the religious leaders and the mission of the mob and the, the mission of the crowd The mission of the soldiers was to humiliate Jesus and expose him. For what? For what? But Jesus knew the purpose. And nothing could hinder the mission of Jesus. Every aspect of the mission of the crowd and the mob and the soldiers and the leaders. Every aspect of of their mission was self-serving. That's the way of the world. The way of the world is self-serving. But fortunately, there's another option. So let's look at the mission of Jesus now. We see this in verse 21 through the end of the chapter. The mission of Jesus, first of all, was sacrifice. Sacrifice was the mission of Jesus. Verse 21 says, They compelled a passer-by, Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus to carry the cross. And they brought him to the place called Golgotha, which means place of the skull. And they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. Now, a couple of things here. Mark was writing based on the testimony of Simon Peter, And the testimony of probably the women who were at the cross that we're going to read about later in this passage. His gospel was one of the first gospels that was produced after the crucifixion of Jesus. And the message was sent to Rome first. And these names are listed here. Simon of Cyrene and the father of Alexander and Rufus to validate the fact, to validate the reality and the credibility of the story that Mark was recording here in history. This now is a documented, recorded act. Notice also that when they brought Jesus to crucify Him, they offered Him, the Bible says here, wine mixed with myrrh. Wine mixed with myrrh was supposed to be a sedative, to ease the pain. Look at what Jesus did. He refused it. He willingly took the full weight of the punishment. Willingly. Upon himself for you and me. Verse 24. They crucified him. and Divided his garments among them. Casting lots for them to decide what each should take. And this was the third hour when they crucified him. Crucifixion, as you know, under Roman rule, was the most cruel type of punishment, execution, that a prisoner could receive. The purpose of crucifixion was to cause as much pain and elongate the pain for as long as possible to expose the prisoner and humiliate the prisoner as well as, in the end, suffocate the prisoner. The Roman soldiers were surgeons at inserting the nails that held the prisoner to the cross. And they did it in such a way that the prisoner would bear his weight upon the feet, the footstool, the foot pedal that was on the cross, And the position would be to put the prisoner in such a position that he would die from asphyxiation. He would die by not being able to breathe. And many times this execution took two or three days. It was the most painful execution method in history. And to make things even worse, as they hung Jesus there on the cross, verse 26... The inscription of the charge against him read, The King of the Jews. And with him they crucified two robbers, one on his right and one on his left. And those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, Aha! You who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself and come down from the cross. So also the chief priests with the scribes mocked him. To one another saying, he saved others. He cannot save himself. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, come down from the cross that we may see and believe. Those who were crucified with him also reviled him. Now, again, the mockery continued until the last breath that Jesus took on the cross. In this account in the Gospel of Luke... Luke points out that one of the thieves believed in Jesus. He repented. And the sacrifice of Jesus opened the door for that thief to be saved and to spend eternity in heaven. And we rejoice with that reality today because salvation is possible only because of the sacrifice of Jesus not about anything that we can do to work our way to God to be saved. But it's all about what Jesus did as he sacrificed his life on Calvary's cross. He endured the humiliation and the pain of the cross again. Because of his great love for you and me. Verse 33, when the sixth hour, that's noon, had come. There was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour, which is 3 p.m. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, labasak sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of the bystanders heard it, it said, behold, he is calling Elijah. And someone ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink, saying, wait. Let us see whether Elijah will come and take him down. And Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last. So here's the picture. As Jesus hung there and breathed his last in agony on the cross, every sin that every person in human history has ever committed or will ever commit the weight of that sin fell upon his shoulders. And here Jesus was, never having committed a single sin, taking upon himself the weight of the sin of your life and my life and every life that's ever lived. Jesus hung there and Jesus died on the cross bearing in the worst human kind of way, the weight of our sin. And then to make it even worse, God turned His back on Jesus because of the sin that was placed upon the shoulders of Jesus, the sin that Jesus bore. And sin is so serious that God had to turn His face away from Jesus for that time. And when God turned his back on Jesus, Jesus cried out, my God, my God. Psalm 22, verse 1, he had predicted it. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He knew it was coming. And yet when, he, when it actually came, the torture and the pain was so great that it was unbearable. And rather than taking two or three days to die, Jesus died under the weight of of your sin and my sin and the sin of the whole world. He died as a sacrifice for you and me. 31 years ago, I had a day in life in history that that I'll never forget. I'd come home after work about five or six in the evening and I was cutting the grass, I was in the backyard and Gail was inside preparing our dinner and she came running out the back door and I shut the moor off and heard her say, "Calvin has a heart." And so I ran in, and Calvin had was a, was a dear friend of ours, a church member of ours, who had had rheumatic fever as a young man, a, a young boy, and now he was in his early forties, and he was he was going to die from uh, a bad heart, and in order to live, he had to have a new heart. And so I ran in, jumped in the shower, and ran out the door. Gail handed me a sandwich as I went out the door and I I jumped in my little car and ran fast as I could to, to Charleston. I wanted to get to Charleston to pray with Calvin before he went in. It was early in the days of doing heart transplants. And so I go in and have prayer with Calvin. I get there in time, have prayer with him and he has the heart transplant and he lived 20, 25 more years after that. But someone had to die in order for Calvin to live. Someone had to die and donate their heart for that heart to be put inside my friend and extend his life. Now, that's not a perfect example of what Jesus did for us. But it gives a picture of what it means to sacrifice a life... For another life. And that's what Jesus did for you and me. He sacrificed his life. So that we might have. Eternal life. Not just for one person. Not just for 20 or 25 years. But for eternity. Jesus died. A sacrificial death. So you could be saved. Now. What if my friend Calvin had turned down that heart? He could have refused it. He could have not accepted it. You say, that would be foolish. That would be ridiculous. I wonder if there's anyone here today who has seen what Jesus has done for us to sacrifice his life for us, to provide salvation for us. And you said, no thanks, God. I'll go the way of the world rather than go in the way of Jesus. Please don't let that be you. Please don't let that be you. And that leads to the result of the mission of Jesus. And we move toward conclusion with this. Salvation was the result. Salvation was the result. Bible says in verse 38, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. So as Jesus breathed his last breath, I mean, get this picture. God further revealed for us a sign of reality, a sign of what the sacrifice of Jesus really means. This curtain in the temple was 60 feet long and 30 feet wide and four inches thick. Josephus, the historian, records that two horses could be tied in opposite directions and pull in opposite directions against this curtain, and it wouldn't pull it in in two. It was that thick. It It was that strong. And it represented the fact that the presence of God behind the curtain was separated from man because of the sin of mankind. But when Jesus breathed His last... When Jesus died as the sacrifice for our sin, that curtain literally ripped from top to bottom, never to be rejoined again, symbolizing the fact that for now and forevermore, God is offering His presence face-to-face presence, just like it was before the fall in Genesis chapter 3 when sin messed everything up. God now has opened up His arms and His presence to anyone who would put their faith and trust in the salvation provided by the sacrifice of Jesus. Forever and ever and ever. God's original plan was to have fellowship with His created beings called mankind. And now because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, that door was reopened again hallelujah what a day of celebration at least one man got it at the cross look at verse 39 when the centurion who stood facing him saw that it that in this way he breathed his last he said truly this man was the son of God here's a rugged pagan Roman soldier who was more in touch with reality than all of the religious community in that 24-hour period surrounding the trial and the crucifixion of Jesus. Now, whether his revelation was spiritually transformational or not, I don't know. But at least he observed the fact that something powerfully godly had taken place. And I trust that that will be you today as well. I pray that something powerfully godly will take place in your heart. That if you've never trusted Jesus before, you will admit that you have gone the way of the world. And admit that you're a sinner. And repent of that. Repentance means to turn away from the worldly way of living and turn to God's way of living. Putting the focus on God. Believe in Jesus and the sacrifice that he's made for you today. And then commit your life to living the rest of your life to make all of life about Jesus. Rather than go in the way of the world. Two missions available as options today. The mission of the world. The mission of Jesus. Remember, everyone has a life mission. The world is calling you to serve yourself and make all of life about you. Jesus is calling you to join Him in His mission. So what are you going to do? Are you willing today to commit to His mission? So what would that look like by way of application today? If you, if you choose, if you make that choice to go with the mission of Jesus, first of all, there's a problem. The problem is being self-centered. not knowing god personally that was the trap that the religious leaders and the crowd fell into and the roman soldiers fell into in the life of jesus while he walked here on this earth they were self-centered many of them knew about god but they didn't know him personally And literally today, there's no excuse for not knowing God personally, but that's the reality. People who are never satisfied, always wanting more, living life like there's never enough. And Jesus exposes this problem. It's a problem, but Jesus exposes it. So what's the solution? The solution, obviously, is the cross and the resurrection. We've looked at the cross today briefly And I trust you will let the weight of the cross sink in as you move through today and move through this week and celebrate it. And next week we're going to focus primarily on the resurrection. But the solution to the separation from God is through the cross of Jesus Christ and the sacrifice that he made for you and me. I saw a billboard out in the county this week. It said simply, One day or day one, you choose. And that's where we sit today. You say, well, one day I'll put my faith in Jesus. One day I'll turn from serving myself and turn to Him. Don't don't do that. Let this be day one where you fully surrender to the mission of Jesus. So what's the result of that? Well, the result is... celebration. It's freedom in Christ. And again, we'll hammer this in a deeper way next week, but it means freedom from the penalty of sin. It means freedom to join Jesus in His mission. So start today. Join with me in giving God glory today and every day and giving all of your life To all that you know about Jesus. But you have to choose. We have a choice to make. The mission of the world. Or the mission of Jesus. I don't know about you. But I choose Jesus. God thank you today. For your great sacrifice. That you made for us. And that while we were still sinners. You died for us. God, thank You for caring enough about us to to come to earth and live Your life as a human being, to dwell among us, to put on flesh, to live a perfect life, and then fulfill the ultimate purpose that You had in life, to, to sacrificially die to take away our sins. Oh God, how I pray that every person here today would submit to that mission and make your mission our mission. And may it change the way we think and the way we feel and the way we act toward you as well as to others. Thank you for that sacrifice that you made on the cross for us. In Jesus' name, amen.